do 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 Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode um, 259. Because we're flying on a jet plane. Do, 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 do. I think I've done that one before. Maybe, but it's fitting. So it's not a jet plane. It's not a, probably not, no. Hey everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, you didn't hear this because I just edited it, but we did a whole lot of rambling right now. <laughs> <laughs> All because of sneezes. Yes. When, when we I get around to, to so you've been eating, we'll have to make sure to re-enter all the sneezes in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so today, today's episode is about a game I'd never heard about before until Julius told me about it. And that is Yukon Airways. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little surprised you haven't heard about it before. Yeah, I hadn't heard about it. I don't know why. Actually, I guess I'm not surprised you haven't heard about it before. The The main reason why I actually heard about this game was because of a set of bling that someone else had done for it. And we're looking, I was like, that's a cool little addition to the game. And then I read more about the game because they had done that piece of bling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What did they do? Well, let me tell you about that when we get to components. How about? Okay. Deal. Okay. So, so what is Yukon Airways? What's this game about? It, it is a it is a game where you are running one of the Yukon Airways. It takes place in the Yukons. I assume this is the real Yukons, but it takes place in the Yukons. And the whole idea is that you are leaving from the central area of Whitehorse for five days, essentially rounds. Uh, and you are going to be transporting different people, as represented by cubes, around the board because they all want to tourist out of various spots. There's different places that they want to go. So you'll be traveling with them all around, making money, and your goal is to have the most amount of money by the end of the game. Okay. That sounds like a fun game. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll see if your opinion remains the same by the time we're done talking about it. Well, so you told us about the game. You want to tell us about the rules? Sure. I'll tell you about the rules, Albert. The rules... The rules are the rules, I suppose, the best way of explaining it. The game makes a good way of describing it. This is a very linear type of game. It does a summary for how it is. This is one of the ones that follows the rules. You tell how to win, tell you how you play the game. Actually, tells you set up, tells you how you win, tells you how to play the game, tells you how to do final scoring. It goes through all of those one by one. I think that there was maybe one or two points where the rules were not the most clear but really i mean that's just reading through it a second time which i always recommend you do it was perfectly clear so i really have no issues with rules i think that they were perfectly fine they explained everything about the rules and i had no issues with going through that additionally the rules provide a reference at the back of them for what all of the different cards and icons and things do for everything that can show up over the course of the game and i thought that for the most part all that iconography was already quite clear but having a quick reference of all of them in the back of the rule book made them perfectly clear so good job for that nice okay it also includes at the front some uh, some designer notes which i always like when a game has designer notes and tells a little bit about the backstory <laughs> of the game that's true yes the Mm -hmm. designer notes are actually an interesting little story about uh things that the designer has done and was inspired for yukon airways and about how he was um inspired by travels with his father and it's a 
it's a very interesting thing that I highly recommend reading to feel more connected with the story behind the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so nothing else about the rules. Do you want to talk about the theme next? The, I mean, the theme is extremely Euro. I really want to talk about the components. I'm eagerly awaiting it. <laughs> but I know that's why I keep stalling. <laughs> I know you're doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. The theme is extremely Euro. It is, you own a plane and you are playing it. You are <laughs> playing around. You are flying <laughs> around trying to get people to various different places. It's one of those ones where, I mean, I suppose if you look at it for too long, you may wonder like what exactly is going on. So for example, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to have ticket cards to determine destinations. And so you need to draw specific tickets or you could turn in three face down tickets to stand it as something else. And those determine where it is that the people will go, but then the dice determine what type of person it is. And it's, I mean, yeah, you just don't look at it too deeply. Okay. <laughs> Not all the mechanics are straight simulation, but otherwise it's, it feels typical Euro. You have a plane, you're making money. Okay. Got it. Um, and the, the, the game, well, let's talk about the no, components. components first. We're up to it. You cannot <laughs> delay this any longer, Albert. The components of the game. Thank you, Albert, for letting mm-hmm. me discuss the components of the game. Of course. The component that I really want to discuss is going to be the player board. Before I get to the player board, let me talk about the other components in the game. I'm doing it to myself. I'm delaying what I want to talk <laughs> about. But it'll probably make the most sense if I do it in this order. There is a main board. The main board kind of is split in half. On the right half of the board is the giant map. There's the big and yellow central city, White Horse. And then there's lines all throughout the whole place denoting all the different routes that you can take to all the different cities. There's a bunch of cities. Typically, those cities are going to have cubes and places and things on them. so those are going to be places that you'll want to send people and it'll be all around. Um, on the left half of the board is going to be your dock. Now then these are seaplanes. Uh, I think that's the correct name for it. Maybe it's called something different, but they're seaplanes. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that have the big floaty the bits pontoons. on the bottom so that they can yeah. pontoons. Thank you. That can land on the ground so, on the water. So you're, airport is a set of docks that jut off into the water and eat. There's, there's six docks and the passengers will line up in the, I keep calling them gates because essentially it's an airport, but they'll line up in the different gates and the different docks and gently await for you to come. The different docks gates have different powers associated with them. So it makes a difference about which one is that you're going to pick from. And that's the entirety of the main area. The dice are, there's a, there's a number of different dice colors. There's a set of five, there are five colors. They're bright, colorful. They're clearly distinguished for me. You have three in each color. Um, 
there are four C planes and four player markers that match the different player markers. Now there is some overlap between player marker colors and cube slash dice colors. So for example, there's a yellow, there's a blue, and there's a pinkish color. There's a white player marker, there's no white die. There's a green die and there's no player marker in green. But like that overlap is issue. Sometimes you can get confused between them, but once you start to realize then it's not really an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of tracking your money, there are money tokens, so cardboard shit, so no paper money here, but no like any nothing too particular fancy. It's just cardboard tokens. Uh, but they're, they're rectangular shaped like money. They're rectangular shaped like money. They're big. They're not circle coins, which I thought was interesting. And there's no denomination difference in size or anything like that. Let me now talk about the player boards. So there are different player boards that are used to track. The primary purpose of it is to track what powers it is that you've unlocked. There is a reference map, which is extremely handy. Uh, the reason why that's extremely ha handy is because the reference map, you're going to use that to calculate a lot of the time where you want to go. The different places on the board have different fuel costs associated with it. So to be economical, you'll probably be going around different places and have a calculate the fuel, fuel costs. Each one of the cities has listed the fuel cost to get to that city. So you don't need to calculate that. But if you're going to more than one city or trying to bounce around places, you'll want mm -hmm. to calculate some things. All of them start with the fuel cost from Whitehorse because you return to Whitehorse each round. So that's clear. But having that pictured in the player board is very handy to be able to do. But the main mm -hmm. neat thing is that it, it's a whole bunch of dials and buttons and switches. The When you buy the game, you have to punch out some needles and you have to punch out some switch tokens. You'll attach the, the needles for the dials on small black plastic circles so that they're mm -hmm. held there. Then at that point in time, they're a dial like on a regular dial. You dial it up or dial it down. Um, normally on an actual plane display like something else is causing it here you're causing a dial up and down similarly for the switches it's a row of seven switches and the way that they've implemented it is it's a two-layer board so the dials are a little bit recessed and all these switch slots are recessed and you'll take a small black cardboard rectangle and slot it in and you'll slide it to the off side if it's off or to the on side if it's on but you'll you're switching all the dials and the switches. It, it feels very much like you're playing with a plane when you're doing all these switches and taking it off and messing with it. It was an excellent way to implement that. They they could have done the powers and these sort of things as sets of cards or as tokens that you power up or a, like, or a board. So many things when they give you certain amounts of powers, it's just a cube on a, on a, track and if you have more fuel capacity for instance you just move it up the track but instead that main board feels very plain e it feels like it's on a plane 
because it's <laughs> tracked up. It's got dials. It's got switches. It feels like you're sitting at a console on a plane. It reminds me of when I take my kids out to science museum or these sort of places, and they get to sit in front of a fake plane and start playing with the switches and push the go button to take off. It feels like you get to sit there in front of a board that is very well cool. designed to highlight the thematic elements. That's cool. And the switches are on the bottom left of the board, right? The switches are on the bottom left of the okay, board. Yeah. Yes. Now, so you sound like you sound really excited as you talk about this. It sounds like you really enjoy the the board I, a lot. I I enjoy the tactileness of it mm-hmm. because it more than anything else helped for me bring the feeling home of I'm piloting a plane. When you know, for example, when I'm piloting a plane in pandemic the in the time pandemic game. Yeah, I'm not really piloting a plane. I'm running around running a factory. It just happens to be that's in the air and I move stuff around. Or any other time when you're running around, like if I'm playing Arkham Horror and I'm on a boat, it doesn't feel like I'm on a boat. Very few games make me feel like I'm sitting in the science museum piloting a fake plane. When you're sitting in the science museum, you feel like you're piloting a plane. You're running the switches, you're pushing all the buttons, nothing's taking off, but it feels like you're sitting on a plane. You can very much make believe. We we play these games to have that sort of tactile feeling, mm-hmm. to make you feel like, to yep. a degree, you're there and you're you're participating, you're immersed. And this board makes me feel that. Even more so with the bling that this one other person did, and I haven't managed to get to work right. But what this other person's bling that they did is they took the switch tokens and they 3D printed them into two pieces so that it's a taller dial with a black plastic piece that you slot in and holds it there permanently. These black cardboard pieces if you turn over the board, just fall out. With the black plastic mm-hmm. pieces, it's held in there with the pressure of a, of a secure fit. And then it's a tall switch. It feels like a real switch that slides back and forth. Neat. And I thought that felt even more so. Uh, a friend was able to 3D print me some from resin, but the resin just continues to stick to the board and was, was beating up the board. And I've not been able to 3D print any of them from plastic to see if maybe that will work better. But it just felt it felt very, very tight, and I was concerned about it damaging the board. But I tried it, and I really liked it. So I, I'm, I just haven't managed to <laughs> quite get that to work right. But it, it, it is something I would love to do because it pushes it even more towards that thematic inclusion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could get like little metal switches or something like that. Like the you might have seen Ooh, in an old metal. plane or something. It'd be nice if I could, but they have to be sized to the right size, and you're not going to find metal, I don't think, that comes in just the right size. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> you're not going to find metal switches anywhere. I mean, that. Yeah. Maybe eBay. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. That sounds neat. I mean, that does sound like a really neat component of the board and, and the way you get to play with it. And you said, even as it's cardboard, it's fun. And being able to bling it out would be super neat. Yeah. That That is true. That mm-hmm. is true. What is the area in the bottom right of the board? There's a track there. Is that like um, your field marker or something? No. So that is a track for endgame stuff about how many places you've been. At the okay. end of the game based on how many places you've gone, how many locations you've been to uh, is going to be how much money you're going to be getting at the end of the game. So you, you don't want to continue to do the same thing over and over at the game over and over during the course of the game. You want mm-hmm. to diversify. 
and that's always more enjoyable for when the game pushes you to diversify instead of being repetitive. And yep. that that chart, which you've noticed, is what pushes you to do that. Well, very cool. Are there any other components you've not mentioned yet, or is that pretty much all the minor things like cards, objective cards, the the seaplane cards, minor things. Okay. But I think I'll probably cover them a little bit more as I talk about the gameplay. Well, let's do that. Cool. I'm onto the gameplay. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So the way the gameplay works is again, it's going to be over six rounds. Um, so you're playing a week from Tuesday to Sunday and you're going to be finding passengers and taking them with you to fly. The way you do that is going to be over two. Oh, I, I feel like it's two phases and then a cleanup phase, but it's, it's, technically listed as four phases the first phase is going to be the boarding phase so at the beginning of each round or technically at the maintenance phase you're going to have dice that have been rolled and distributed across the different spots so ones go ones twos go in twos etc those dice represent passengers that you can theoretically grab and come and take you with um what you'll do is you'll pick one of your gates that you want to hire passengers from or take passengers from. You'll take your personal marker and you'll put it at the gate to show that you're going there. And then if that gate has a special bonus action, you'll be able to do that. What's more interesting is you'll be able to choose any dice of the same color at that gate and move them over to you. So you'll want to be using special powers or bonuses or movements or things that you have on your board already to try and generally match up colors so that you can grab enough people on your plane to make it you know profitable to move around the board then you'll want to grab fuel now then your plane by default has four fuel spots that can either be used for fuel or for passengers Every passenger you don't take is going to be one additional fuel that you'll be able to take along with you. Additionally, um, if you have any leftover fuel beforehand, you'll be able to continue with that. Or if there's anything that gives you bonus fuel, because there's a dial that gives you bonus fuel each round, you'll be able to use that as well. If you've unlocked a special power, you can trade in cards to get fuel, but fuel is going to be a primary things you'll mess with fuel figure out how much fuel it is that you have and then continue going around the board for everyone to take an opportunity to grab passengers um once everyone has grabbed passengers you move on to the next turn which is flight so now you've got some passenger dice and you know that they're starting with you on white horse but you don't know where they're going in order to know where they're going you'll take so you have a hand of ticket cards and each card has on its front side, a ticket showing where it is that they want to travel to. So like it could be on the top left location, like Fort Norman or Dawson city, destruction Bay, all sorts of, all sorts of different places that they go. You have to play one or possibly more ticket cards face up. All of them have to be the same destination. You're going to a place. Um, you can choose to play additional cards face down to count as additional Norman tickets. If you're doing that, then that's additional passengers that will want to do that. It takes three face down ticket cards to essentially count as a wild to clone whatever other face up location you're going to. Mm. Um, 
Some cards have special bonuses on them, so if they're face up, they may give you like extra cards, and they may give you extra fuel, things like that, which will be helpful. You'll place your dice from your plane and put them on the destination cards to show that you're taking them there. You'll then move your seaplane around to those places. So, like, let's say you're going to Destruction Bay. You'll move your seaplane over there and deduct the amount of cost that you're having to take to go there. If you're going there straight from White Horse, it's easily listed. If you're not going straight from White Horse, you have to watch along the route that you're taking, total up the cost of the fuel, which is listed on each of those routes, and then deduct that much. Each of the destinations will have cubes on there, and those are... I believe that they're designed to represent the unique interactions that have occurred at those locations. Um, but it, it's cubes. <laughs> okay. um, if you can match a cube of a destination with the traveler, then they're more happy. Uh, if you can't, then you just have to take a gray cube because they're not happy and the the color cube stays there instead. Your goal is going to be trying to get as many color cubes as you can because color cubes are going to be worth better points and will also allow you to make improvements. If you're grabbing a color cube that is not gray, you get to improve part of your boards, either increase a dial or flip a switch, things like that. Okay, Um, so... So Skagway, for example, has three different color cubes on the board, right? A, a pink, a yellow, and a blue. But I think you said the example. passengers, when you collect passengers, they all have to be the same color. So, so yes, they do have to be the same color. So you're going to show up to Skagway, and you may only have yellow passengers then in that case. So you're only going to get the yellow cube. You get the yellow cube and some gray cubes. And and now the does that mean the yellow cube is no longer available at Skagway because you, you take would it? Take the, you would take the yellow cube and you'd actually put it on your personal board to show mm-hmm. that you visited there. And the next time somebody goes to Skagway, they could either do pink or They could do or pink or, or they could do some other color and not match and just take a gray cube instead. Okay, but yellow's gone. Okay. Yeah, but the yellow Got actually, it. it goes on your board and that's how you're tracking which locations that you've done. I see. Um, Once you're out of location, if it gives you any other benefits, you take those. And then if you want, you can take another flight. You're welcome to continue flying to another location. At that point in time, you're not going to be leaving seahorse. So the fuel costs may be a bit more difficult to count up. It's not as easy, but it's not that hard. It's just, it's simple math. Um, Once you finish the last flight, at that point in time, you get paid. Um, you look at the single highest ticket that you've done. So if you've traveled to three different places, whichever is the highest one paying is how much money you're going to get paid for it for this round. So even if you took four people to four different places, although you may have gotten a bunch of cubes, um, the base value is just based on how far out you flew. Um, so you get that base value, then you get a dollar for each die that flew uh and then if there's anything special for rewards at this point in time you get that so that's how you get your your cash and money once everyone has cashed in done all their flights you'll re-roll the dice you'll set them all up you'll discard all the cards you'll draw any new tickets that you get and essentially just set up for the next round you'll keep doing those two flight and cleanup stages as much as you can 
uh, once the full six rounds have done, you'll calculate out all the money that anyone has. Uh, give bonus money based on how many locations you've gone to, and that will end the game. Okay. Sounds straightforward enough, and it sounds fun. So yeah, it is relatively straightforward, but I definitely in, enjoy it. Most of the challenge is going to be about managing the different locations and making sure you know where it is that you are going, uh, how to manage your fuel, because there's push and pull about all those fuel things. Like maybe I don't necessarily want to try and get more fuel spots. Maybe I do because I can negotiate it around. You'll want to be able to reach the faraway places because they're fuel, but maybe you have the right cards to grab all the nearby places, even though they're not distinct. So there's a lot of push and pull on the different things that are good for getting extra points. And when you have push and pulls, there's, there's drama, there's tension, there's Mm -hmm. difficulty of things involved and all that is, all that is good stuff. It's, it keeps, it keeps it involved, makes all the decisions difficult. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, as you described the gameplay, I could see how how well the graphic design was done and that the theme really comes through and the gameplay comes through with the theme. Like, uh, for mm-hmm. example, you said there's six turns. There's a board. There's a little section on the board that looks like a, a week calendar. Monday's crossed off with a big X showing you to close on Monday. And then there's six spaces for the rest of the week for the six turns. Exactly. Very, very neat, very simple design and yeah. so effective. Uh, let me just, by the way, mention the solo mode. And the solo mm-hmm. mode is almost identical to the basic game. The only difference is, is you use it, you set up the game like two players, except you use less dice than you normally do. You start with less money, um, and you get a, an improvement to begin the game off just to start. At that point in time, then you're only racing yourself, so nobody is really interfering with anything except you yourself and your goal instead of doing just the normal of total as much money as you can this is a game that gives you specific ranks for how well you did you have to Mm -hmm. rank in both distinct locations and money earned so you can't focus all the way on money and drop locations you have to do both of those in order to be able to rank up if you get a whole bunch of money and get to all the locations you're a legend i have never done that not a million years (laughs) Usually I'm balancing out somewhere around in the middle, usually around the middle rank. Um, but it's just beat the goal or beat your own score to be able to, to get whatever you can. But it plays almost identical. It's just that nobody else can potentially steal anything from you, which is perfectly fine with me. Yeah, always nice. And so there's 12 locations and you got six days, so you, you'd have to average two a day to, to yeah. get everything. That sounds mm-hmm. tricky. I mean... You have to average that. I mean, that's straight math. <laughs> but some of the locations mm-hmm. are easier to get to than others, like the close-in locations. Mm-hmm. doesn't take a lot of fuel. So you f- flit around to four of those at once, and then you can spend one day going all the way out with like three dice to the far away one. Especially in Solomo, where you can move some of the dice around uh, because the dice hang out from turn to turn in their specific gates. So you can move some of the dice around try to help start setting yourself up to make bigger moves in future rounds. So that's, that's a thing you can do. That sounds neat. How long does it take to play the game? Uh, usually takes me about 45 minutes to an hour to play through. Okay. Is that solo or with others? That's solo. Okay. I've only played this once multiplayer and I don't have enough. I don't really have enough basis to be able to 
talk too much more about it. Okay. Fair enough. This is a solo podcast anyway, so what do we care? <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> to a degree. And there's little plastic airplanes, is that right? No, there are no plastic airplanes. There are wood. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There are wooden airplanes. Yes. No That's no neat. plastic in this, unless you're 3D printing things. Well, I guess the dice are plastic. Well, very cool. Um, does that yeah, cover so, everything about the game? I think that covers everything, just in terms of a quick summary. For me, I really enjoy it. I think that having a player board that is so richly thematic really brings home to me about what it is that you're doing. I think if the game looked less nice, it would feel really bland and really basic Euro. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is. It's it's a basic Euro. It's not. There's not a really cool mechanic that I can name that this is this is the blow-away mechanic. I don't think this was doing that. It's just, it's a plane game, and it's a plane, and by plane, I mean airplane. It is an <laughs> airplane game done well. And this is like when a chef makes simple ingredients and does simple ingredients clean and clear. That is what this came out with. And I applaud that. It is fun to play. It is fun to sit and enjoy all of the feelings that the game brings to the table. So I definitely would recommend it because of that. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, it seems like the theme really, really helps the game stand out. It really works well. And it's amazing how sometimes with the, with a game, a really good theme can make a difference. I mean, yeah, neat. that's definitely true. I also think that it's a theme that really resonated with the designer. He talks a lot in mm-hmm. the start about how he can feel the theme. This is a theme that helps him connect with his father. This is a theme that connects him with his own personal history. This is something that he's done. Yeah. He comments that the photos that are on the different plane dashboards are authentic drawings of pictures from uh, back in the day for him. All this I had stuff wondered about real. that. Well, you know, that's, my favorite part about this game, I think, and I've only really seen the rule book, is that that first page with the designer notes. It really <laughs> got me excited about this game when I read it. And, and because of that, I have a plan to talk to the designer, Al Ladoc, uh, on the next episode. Hey, really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Surprise! Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I am looking forward to it because I find the, the, the idea of it and the history really interesting. He mentions in here how um, Yukon Airways was a company that his father owned. Mm-hmm. And, and ran and so he was he's pretty familiar with that whole environment and, and the business of running a small airplane company i just that's super cool that's super cool so so i've reached out to him and you know we'll get to hear more about the story behind the game well that's an awesome episode i'm definitely looking forward to hearing that well with that i guess we're taking off all right have a good night everybody good night Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalud on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.